here's an insight to forces kinetic in those teachers who seem energetic. I have learned this firsthand. The greatest demand on my energy is to expect it. I'm Heidi Marks Morris, and I started teaching high school in 1995. Despite nominal retirement in 2015, I've been in the classroom ever since. I'm writing a book about what I've learned in my career because I want to help others experience the connections and joy that I have found in successful teaching. It's called Teaching Matters, and you can sign up for news of it at my website, MarksTeachingMatters.com. Thursday was the last teaching day of our current quadmester. At the end of the day, when I had sat in front of my computer for around eight hours, I looked up to see my student teacher come bouncing through the door, except she wasn't as bouncy as usual. She looked wrung out, and she was somewhat distressed. She had spent the day, as I had, giving final exams, and already emails were coming in from students asking when they could retake the final, or even worse, how many times they could retake the final. She looked at me in dismay and asked, isn't by definition final the end of something? How am I expected to give retakes on finals? I too was exhausted and I too have my frustrations with the endless extensions and never existent deadlines that our current teaching mode involves. I talked her through some of my suggestions and some of my own mishaps of the day and even told her about one particular student whose plight I had taken in hand with a strategy for the coming quadmester. And my friend looked at me and said, where do you get your energy? And I just had to laugh. You'd have to know both me and Elizabeth well to understand how ironic that question is. Elizabeth is an athlete. She is fit, she is energetic, and she is an extrovert by nature. She thrives on the energy of being around people. She loves to uplift others, and she conscientiously chooses to be positive, to look for the bright side, to see the silver lining, to accentuate the positive, all those little catchphrases that we all agree are basically good ideas, but just exhausting in daily practice. And yet, that is how she lives. I consider myself a more staid person. I try my best to engage my students with energy, with enthusiasm, but I certainly do not turn handsprings or jump up and down very often. And I do not have a lot of energy at the end of a school day. <laughs> I, am, I am done. And so I laughed that this young, energetic teacher, just a little more than half my age, was gaping at me in exhaustion 
and asking about the secret of my energy supply. But I've been thinking about it. I gave her an answer that I think is true and that I think gives some perspective to what the physical demands are of a teacher's job. Let me go back to my childhood. My father earned his living when I was growing up by working in a lumber mill. I had no idea what pulling the green chain meant. In fact, I would haul the hose around the front yard and tell myself I was pulling the green chain because it seemed to fit and it didn't seem that difficult. It wasn't, I think, until I was in college and I had a job washing dishes in an all-night cafeteria at the Hewlett-Packard plant. I worked by myself, running an automatic dishwasher, walking from end to end of this automated machine, continuously feeding it bins of dishes and pulling them out from the other end. It was exhausting. Part of that, of course, was the fact that it was the graveyard shift. I worked from 10 p.m. until 6 a.m. and I wondered frequently what sort of person wants a meal at 3 o'clock in the morning. But that's my job. And after I had done that job, it was a temporary assignment for a couple of weeks, I wrote a thank you card to my dad trying to express to him my newfound understanding of the exhaustion that he must have faced when a grueling eight-hour shift, day after day after day, was the means he had to support his family. He made that sacrifice willingly, knowingly, and at great expense to his physical well-being. My dad is now well into his 70s, and physical mobility is a challenge for him. His entire body hurts. Getting up, getting down are painstaking processes. Now, by comparison, teaching would seem to be a pretty lightweight commitment physically. I am not expected to lift heavy loads, pull green chain, or do any particular physical motion over and over and over again. And yet I can tell you from experience, it is exhausting to teach. The first two weeks back at the beginning of every school year, my back, my knees, <laughs> they tell me, oh, Boy, this is hard stuff and I conscientiously make sure my posture is correct and I wear sensible shoes and I do my best to physically care for myself because standing just standing for the eight-hour workday is hard on your joints but I don't just stand, nor do most teachers. I do a lot of walking back and forth in front of the class and especially around the class. I spend a lot of time in Spanish 
spot checking student by student by student, walking up and down the rows as many times as I can every period. And then there's the kneeling. I believe really strongly that for a really effective connection with a student, eye level helps a lot. Staring down at the student is intimidating and often ineffective. But if I take the time to kneel beside his or her desk and look eye to eye or even up at that person, I am able to connect better. So I kneel and stand and kneel and stand and kneel and stand. And in the course of a six or seven period day, I have knelt and stood probably hundreds of times. The physical demands of movement are very real and they are very exhausting. However, the most exhausting thing on me as a teacher is to actively expect. This has been brought clear to me by the expectation of students will answer me from the other end of our chat if I wait. Is it a computer lag? Is it a struggle to find the microphone? Is it an absent child? Is it a lack of comprehension of how to answer the question I have asked? There's no way to tell, but I know I need to expect that that student answers me. I've started to keep track in a more conscious way of the active expectations I have of students. I expect them to show up. I expect them to greet me. I expect them to be excited to be in class. I expect them to have their homework done. I expect them to participate. I expect them to get along with the students in the seats beside them. And the list goes on and on. We talk a lot about having high expectations of students. And almost always we're talking about student performance, a student rising to the level of expectation in the aspect of their grade. But daily habits of behavior in the classroom are what underlie all of that effort on the individual part of the student. And it is exhausting to continually expect, to expect, to lean forward, eyebrows raised, breath baited, waiting. The answer is going to come. I'm looking for it. You're going to give it to me over and over and over. It is absolutely necessary to do that. And I have found it's even more necessary in this distance learning realm when I have no even visual contact with the student. Cameras are off. Microphones are off. I am speaking into the void 
And the only way to connect with these kids is to have them choose to turn their microphones on as I call on them. The wait time is doubled, tripled, quintupled, and necessary. And oh, what a challenge of patience it is for me to lean and wait and not feel too much an idiot waiting for a student to respond. Thousands of those small expectations build into a classroom culture. That is the classroom culture that I'm trying to com communicate and construct at a distance. And every single student is vital to it. And after an entire day of doing that, even though I had spent the entire day seated, typically I don't, but on this day it was necessary, I was tired. How then do I find all my energy? And this was my answer. I know that I make a difference. I know I don't make a difference to every kid or every day or in every lesson, but I have learned through years of teaching and years of feedback that I matter to my students and I take that mattering to heart. It both fuels me through my exhausting days of expecting and expecting and it fills my heart with joy and satisfaction on days like today when a student who graduated eight years ago and whom I haven't seen in two or three years dropped by my house for a chat and among other things said thank you for what you did for me in your class. Small things, daily and consequential things, but the daily work of a teacher mattered to this young man. I can look at my students today, even when they are only a purple D on the screen, and expect them to grow, expect them to choose to put forth effort and expect them to feel the real satisfaction and joy that comes from achieving something you've worked for. Yes, teaching is demanding, exhausting work, and you need to go at it with energy. And yes, that does make physical demands on your body and taking care of yourself is imperative. But the physical demands on your nerves and your spirits and your mind are every bit as real and even more vital to sustain. I think as a first year teacher, when you don't know in your heart that you are making a difference, that can be very difficult to sustain yourself through the demands that are nonetheless there. So my message to those young teachers <laughs> is know that you matter. 
look beyond, look beyond, look beyond, beyond the frustrations, beyond the apathy, beyond the flippancy and the attitudes that teenagers are so adept at copying and see the human and see the difference and see the joy and continue to energetically expect the best.